0: Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Mike Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. I want to teach on something this morning, and the title of it is, Lord, if you had been here. How many of you have ever had those moments in your life where it's like, Lord, if you... Something that I have noticed is this is that we believe that God's with us when he does the things we want, the way we want them done, then we believe he's with us. How many of you are with me on that? God, you're with me because you know what I'm saying? But what about trusting him when life doesn't go how you think? If there's ever a time that we need to believe and to trust, it's when life hasn't gone how we thought it should. And just because something didn't go how we thought doesn't mean that God was not involved and is not involved in that situation. And the problem is, is that we think that we can control it all. You know, I believe that these defining moments are what I call, Lord, if you had been here moments in our life. They're these defining moments in our faith, trusting when life doesn't go how we think. Every one of us have moments that are, if we could just be honest about it, they're hard on us. They're difficult. We don't understand. We don't get it, and we find out a lot about ourselves, and ultimately, we must come to the point where we settle on, God, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't get this, but I'm going to trust you. You know, I'm reminded of a story, and a couple of you, a few of you have heard this story, but I want to just kind of a caveat. When we moved here from Um, California. We lived in San Diego and life was very comfortable 20 years ago for us. And how many of you know it takes God to move you from San Diego to Michigan? How many of you are with me on that? But I'll just, it it takes God. And, and, um, but it was him and, and kind of through the course of events is I pastored a church out there, but equally is God, I've always been in I had always been involved in business. And and you say, Well, why was that? Well, my dad was always in business, and so I just always it was just something I, I always did. And so um, about probably a year before we came here to minister is we owned houses and so i had i owned a business and i owned houses and i said to my wife um, about a year before. I said, I don't know why. I just feel like we're supposed to sell this duplex that we had. We're supposed to sell this. And so she said, okay, well, go ahead and sell it. And So we put it on the market and sold it and did really, really well. And in um, about a year later, just through the course of events, is God revealed to us that we were to move here to uh, St. Joe, Michigan and to pastor this church. Don Marsh was one of the board members there and we they met in the that we met and the board said we feel like that you're supposed to be the pastor, and so just to make a long story short, is I owned a business and I still had a couple houses, and so I I had always trained somebody to run the business because I my heart was in ministry and they were going to buy it when that transition took place and so forth and so on, and, and so I looked at the board and I just simply said to him, I said, hey, um, okay. I'm going to pray about it and I'll get back with you in a couple days. And so I did and came back and uh, Jill and I had conferred that, okay, God was wanting us to move here. And we just always lived our lives that Lord, you own everything. God, you're over everything. Everything that we have is because of your goodness. And we just follow you. We're willing to, we know we're not going to, um, we're not going to, get a death grip on where we're at, we're open to you. And so through the course of event, the Lord revealed that, okay, I want you to move to Michigan. And so I came back to the board and I said to the board, I said, hey, okay, we'll accept the position, but I'm just gonna tell you straight up, I don't know when I can move here. I said, I have a couple houses to sell and the business, this business, and so I don't really know. And they, and you know, I kind of expected them to look and say, well, you, you really gotta give us a date you know what I'm saying? And then I would have been out. How many of you know what I said? I can't give you a date and forget it. And I'd be like, okay, how many of you know what I'm saying? And, and, um, but they're like, we'll wait. And so we, I said, okay. So we went back to um, San Diego and the business wasn't the, I could transition out of that pretty quick, but I had these two houses, and um, they were on, it was unusual because they were both on the same lot. It was only a quarter mile from the beach. And, um, and so I, um, I put the house up for sale and it sold for full asking price cash in less than 24 hours. How many of you would say God's moving? Amen. How many of you just be like, okay, Lord, you're, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, so I called the board I call the church say, this is insane. You're never going to believe this. But we can be there in 30 days. And they're like, awesome, this is great. You know what I'm saying? So we call the moving truck. We call everybody, and we're kind of like, oh, my gosh, we got to get everything together. Only two days later, for the person that said they wanted to buy the house, they backed out. Quick question. How many of you would be upset? Huh? She cared more than I did. You didn't want to move. That's what it was. But I was like, everything looked like, God, you're doing this. How many of you know what I'm saying? And all of the sudden, it was like the carpet got ripped out. And can I just be honest about my thoughts in that moment? God, why did you even let them bid on this house? It would have just been better if they had never showed up. Because now I called and all these things are moving and everything's going together. And this and this and this. And, this, and, and I was just so worked up. How many of you have been there? Okay, look, don't look at me like that. You've all been there. I was just like so worked up. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I just, And My wife is like, let's pray. I said, I got to take a walk. How many of you know what I'm saying? I gotta, and I walked down to the beach and... <laughs> Went by 7-Eleven and got my 32-ounce cup of coffee and (laughs) walked down the beach. And I was just like, and it took me two to three days to get my equilibrium back. Where I just was like, oh, gosh. And ultimately, I had to come to the point where I had to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you have got everything under control and I'm willing to follow. I wanna read a scripture, Proverbs 20, verse 24. This is a passion. It says, it is the Lord who directs your life. For each step you take is ordained by God, now look at this, to bring you closer to your destiny. So much of your life then remains a mystery. Another translation says, how can you understand it? Think about this for a moment. David, after he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, to become the king, nobody recognized it. He went back to taking care of the sheep only to reappear when Saul the king is facing Goliath and he's only bringing the bread and cheese to the soldiers and he hears about it and it makes him so mad that he rises up and said, I will fight this Philistine Goliath. And so David comes out of obscurity, fights, kills Goliath to make it up to the palace only for Saul to be jealous of him to try to kill him and he has to flee from him several times to the point that now he's living in a cave. I want you to think about this. The disciples, they thought they knew how it was going to go. They thought that the way it was going to go down was Jesus was going to show up. He was going to overthrow Rome. He was going to reestablish the Davidical kingdom and that Israel was going to be the strongest nation on earth. It did not go that way. And they were distraught. Abraham, God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a nation. There's just one problem. Abraham's 100 and and his girl is 90. It ain't working well. How many of you know what I'm saying? It, think about this. Moses, it says in the book of Acts, God calls him to be a deliverer, but God has a timing and a way. And Acts 7 says it like this, that Moses presumed that the Israelites were gonna understand that he was the leader. So he steps in and kills an Egyptian, presuming that they're gonna follow him only to flee for 40 years to the backside of the desert. Joseph has a dream from God. God says this is what's going to happen, only to be thrown in a well, sold into slavery, and a prisoner for 21 years. What we have got to realize is this is a theme in the Bible because it's a necessary season for us to develop in our trust in God. It's a necessary development season. We don't like it. We don't like that season. But without it, what it is, is we have lopsided faith that is control faith. God, I believe you as long as I'm in control. Lord, I believe you as long as I feel it. God, I believe you as long as I can do you know all of this. Lord, I trust you as long as I understand it and I can control it. But if I don't understand it and I don't and I can't control it, understand God, I'm going to struggle. How many of you ever? How many of you like extreme roller coasters? Anybody like extreme roller coasters? Have you ever noticed? I liked them more when I was younger. I'm going to be honest. It, but have you ever noticed when you get on an extreme roller coaster, they got a sign right there, and it's a sign that says, warning. How many of you are with me? It says, warning. If you have, you know, heart conditions, if you have tendency to this, if you have neck problems, if you and it goes all through this thing, and they basically, are, it's a disclaimer to say, if you die on this, it's your fault. How many of you, how many of you know what I'm saying? But what it is, is God wants to grow our understanding and trust in him beyond what I call faint-at-heart trust. Faint-at-heart. Lord, I trust you, but if I don't get it, I'm faint-at-heart. And and I think that what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story today of Lazarus' resurrection and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. But before we jump into that, I want to just give you a little bit of backdrop so you understand the depth of the relationship that Jesus had with this family is number 1 what if you read what you find out is this family lived less than 2 miles from Jerusalem in a town called Bethany in other words and it was normal in their day that when a rabbi would go through there would be certain people that would kind of take him on they would make a room in their house and they would provide for him and this is what Lazarus Mary and Martha had done with Jesus it was literally less than an hour walk to Jerusalem which Jesus was in Jerusalem lots of times. And if you study this family, what you find out is they're very wealthy. They have a lot of money. And what would happen is, is in Jesus' travels, he would regularly stay there because of how close it was to Jerusalem. And they were friends with Jesus and very close. And as we read this story, what you're going to find out is this was a a, a family that they were on the end with Jesus. His sisters, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, you remember the story when Jesus showed up with his disciples. How many of you like like a dozen or more people showing up at your house unannounced to eat. How many of you know what I'm saying? They showed up, and Martha, Martha is like, you know, you could have texted me. How many of you know what I'm saying? You could have, and Martha's like, oh, my gosh, and Mary's like, I just want to be close to Jesus. Martha's like, kill her to get off her butt and get in the kitchen. And you remember the story. And not like that. That's a loose translation. Um, but, you re- but you remember the story is that they... Basically, Jesus said, you know, Martha or Mary has chosen the needful thing. But this same Mary is the one later that took a a alabaster of perfume, very expensive. They said it was worth a year's wages, broke it on the feet of Jesus and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, preparing him for the crucifixion and burial. And that was the thing that, that was the tipping point in Judas where it made Judas so mad that he left and he went out and betrayed Jesus. And so if you look to put it mildly, is they knew Jesus probably better and closer than anyone Jesus had ever performed a miracle in their life. They, if you look at the people that Jesus performed miracles, they heard about him, they knew him, but they weren't friends like this particular couple. They were, if we could say it like this, they were on the in with Jesus. They were, they, you know, it was like, hey, they were on first name basis. How many of you know that when you're on the end, you have expectations, don't you? When you're on the end with somebody and you know what they're doing, when you have a need, you know what I'm saying? I liken it to this. How many of you know that your kids are on the in in your refrigerator? They just take, they just get, you know what I'm saying? There are, there's a relationship that is there. And so I want to just start reading in John chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, it says, in the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her hair, with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters, that's Mary and Martha, sent a message to Jesus Lord, our brother Lazarus, and look at this verbiage, the one you love is very sick, please come. Now, what I want you to notice is the statement sent a message. They didn't have snail mail. They didn't have any electronics. The way a message would be sent is you would pick a messenger and you would go get somebody that you trusted and you would say to that person. I need you to go find Jesus, tell him what is going down and to, and tell him we need him here right now. So they send this messenger. Now look at this in verse four, when he heard this, so the messages come, when he heard this, he said, he, and remember the messenger is standing right there. When he heard this, the moment he heard it, he responds to his disciples and the messengers and he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the son of God by what takes place. Now, what I want you to notice is remember that where do you think the messenger went after Jesus said that? The messenger went back to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus to say, hey, I just want to let you know, I talked to the man, and what he said is this, this is not going to end in death, it's all going to be okay. Are you with me? Yeah. You, could, you could readily, and I'm sure that when he got back, Mary and Martha were just stopped and just said, it's all going to be good. This is all going to be good. Messengers just told us what he said. They interpreted it that this is going to go how I think it should go. Are you with me today? Are you all in agreement with me today? Now look at verse 5. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. Verse 11. Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep, and it's time to go and awaken him. When they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he has just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see that I, who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go see him. Verse 17. So when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner. Anybody ever said something like that? God, you could have showed up sooner. You could have have showed up a little earlier. My brother wouldn't have died. Notice, she made the assumption that since Jesus didn't do it her way, he was not involved and late. Realize when God doesn't do it our way, he's never late and he's involved. Are you all with me? Y'all are like, ooh, ooh. You know, notice notice God, she basically was like, you haven't been involved. You weren't here. You let us down. You didn't show up. Verse 22. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, "Yes, I know that he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day." Martha Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection and the life. Look at an eternal life. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. Verse 28, then Jesus left and hurried off to her, pardon me, then she left and hurried off to her sister Mary and called her aside and all the mourners whispered to her, the master is here and he's asking for you. I want you to notice something. Did Jesus ask for Mary? No. Martha lied. How many of you are with me on that? (laughs) Jesus never asked, but Martha's like, ain't working my way. Mary, Last time we were here, he said, you chose the better, go talk to him. Look at what it says. Soon when Mary heard this, she quickly went out to find him. For Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha met him. Now when Mary's friends who were comforting her had noticed how quickly she ran out of the house, she followed her, assuming she was going to the tomb of her brother to mourn. When finally, pardon me, when Mary finally, Found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, here's the statement again, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. And he said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streaming down Jesus' face. We're going to keep reading. But what I want you to notice is this. When I'm going through it, Jesus feels it. When it's hard on me, Jesus feels it. He's not standing off. He feels it. That's right. He knows what's going on. Seeing Jesus weep caused many mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens the blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotion, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. Verse 41, so they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word that I speak. Now, so that those who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then, with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then, in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and his feet, covering his face. And Jesus said to them, Unwrap him and let him go. I want to just, you know, this story, you stop and you think about it, as they were discouraged. This was a Lord, if you had only been here moment. And I want to just, if, if I could, there's a lot we could take away from this, but I want to just give us four takeaways that we must apply when life doesn't go how we think. This is not going, God, how I think. Number one is this, is my trust must be in him, big picture, not what I think he should do, short picture. My trust must be in God. Big picture. God, big picture, I thought, but my trust is in you. I see, but my trust is in you. What I want you to notice is both sisters didn't change their view or their allegiance to Jesus. They were upset, but their faith didn't change. They're upset, but their faith didn't go into the rocks. Lord, you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for our whole life. See, is my faith in him or what I think he should do? Understand, we're always going to face times that we look and we say, God, you should have done this but what I know is you're smarter you're bigger you know what's going on you're navigating my life this is painful it's rocking me to the core but my faith is in you big picture even though right now I'm facing some pain in my life are you with me see this is easy to say but it's harder to walk out it's harder I mean think about this these were his friends Jesus friends and what it is, is we've gotta be able to just stop and say, okay, God, you are the Messiah, you are Lord, and you're over my life. Number two is this, is am I open to bigger purpose or only short-term comfort? When I have a setback, when it didn't go the way I want, am I open to a bigger picture or am I only governed by short-term comfort? Jesus said through this whole story that God sees, that God knows, and he has a plan, and he's gonna use it. You know, I think what's interesting is—is this? Then he'd ask them questions, and he would say, "Do you believe?" Whenever we're going through something, we need to ask ourselves, "What do I believe right now? Do I believe?" right now? What do I believe? See, God didn't cause this and he doesn't cause many of the things that we face. But if we'll keep our heart right, my faith intact and where it needs to be is he will use it for my certain good. But I've got to keep my faith intact. I've got to be able to just stop and say, God, you know what? This is painful. I don't understand. I don't, under, I don't get it. But Lord, what I know is that you're good and that you're faithful. Number three is this, is reflection and meditation on what Jesus has said is a major help in difficult times. When I reflect and I meditate on what Jesus has said, has said. Notice Jesus said this to them over and over again. He spoke hope to them. He spoke hope to the messenger. He spoke the same thing to Martha two times. She simply forgot because what she was facing was attempting to scream louder than what God was saying. And whenever we go through something that's a setback or a discouragement or a hurt, understand that because we have a body and we live in this natural world, it is going to scream loud. It is going to scream hard. And it's going to try to get hold of our attention. But what we've got to do is I am in charge of the volume meter of my reflection and meditation of what I let get on the inside. I'm in charge of that. I am in charge of that volume meter. And I can just stop and say, you know what, right now, and I'm going to be honest, you know, when you heard me share my story about what happened with me, it took me two days to get hold of that volume meter. How many of you are with me on that? It was just like, cause everything was just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, and I just like took two days. And finally it's just like, okay, God, you're in charge. Doesn't have to go how I want, but I would like you to ask me, but you don't have to. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you ever coach God? Be honest. Come on, Lord. Lord, let me just, okay, I know you're going to do it, but let me tell you what would cost less blood and sweat on me, and I would prefer if you would do it this way. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I've had him do it that way. But my faith needs to be the the same regardless of how he does it. Some people right now in the current environment we're in, their faith is on the rocks because of what's going on. I'm going to tell you something. God's in charge. He's got everything. He has got everything. And what he wants us to do is to just stop and say, okay, Lord. Last one, number four is this. Is my friends can help or hinder based on my appetite. It's based on my appetite. You say, what do you mean? What is my appetite to eat? When I talk about my friends, I'm going to, I think personally, personally, I think that in these times, we have three tiers of friends in our life, three tiers. The first tier of friends are the ones that tell us what we need to hear in order for us to move forward. Those are the friends that they'll tell us what we need to hear. Is my appetite, am I willing to? You know what I'm saying? They'll tell me what I need to hear in order to move forward. The second tier of friends is they tell us what we want to hear, but it keeps us where we're at. That tier of friends is like, oh, yeah, you know, and they'll tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. They'll tell us what we want to hear. And the third tier of friends is the ones that tell me what I shouldn't hear, and it sets me back. They tell me it's just, you know what I'm saying? they, They tell me what I shouldn't hear. You know that another norm in the Bible in their day is that you could hire mourners, it was actually a, a, a status badge that the wealthier you were, that you could, you could go out and hire mourners because your recognition in the community when somebody died was directly connected to how many people mourned at your going. And so it was normal that in their day that the wealthy people would be like, okay, I need a hundred mourners. How many of you know what I'm saying? And they'd, they'd go hire them and, and people, you know, be a crowd of people. It's like, okay, today we're mourning for Lazarus. Who? Lazarus. You're gonna mourn for Lazarus. I, I really, okay, I'm gonna mourn. Come on, start working it up right now. He's giving us 20 bucks. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so they'd work it in and they'd get all the mourners and they'd be, start mourning, you know what I'm saying? And, they, and they, would, they would start mourning. But you know what? Today, you can still hire mourners. They're on social media. You can find people on social media that will hold you back and keep you where you, need, where you don't need to be because they know nothing about the situation, but they got an opinion. How many of you know what I'm saying? And And we just have to stop and just be aware of it. Who and what am I investing in? Because it will drown out everything else. I would say right now that every one of us, and the thing about difficult moments or things we don't understand or Lord, if you could be here situations, is behind every time we face one of those natural things in our lives, there is always a spiritual battle that is going on behind the scenes for our soul, and for our expectation of God tomorrow. It's always going on behind the scenes. And it's gonna. what it's trying to do is control our next chapter. And the question is, is what am I going to do about this thing that just happened so that it doesn't hinder me It doesn't distort my view and it doesn't affect my belief in the goodness of God which will bind me and hold me where I don't want to be. Are you with me today? Stand to your feet if you would.